Hey, life is going to throw you some rotten circumstances. It has me, and it did my guest on this episode of Unbeatable. Diane Gramion went through some incredible circumstances. A teenager just blocks away from the World Trade Center in 9-11. As an investment banker, when the financial industry is collapsing around her and then experiencing maybe one of the most rotten ingredients anybody will go through, a health crisis as a result of burnout. This woman has figured out how to take some rotten ingredients and make it into something beautiful and something savory. I can't wait for you to hear from Chef Diane Gramion on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life. You're listening to Unbeatable with Jeff Strucker. Hey, Diana, I am so glad that you're on this episode of Unbeatable with me today. I am so excited to be with you, Jeff. This is going to be an epic, unbeatable podcast. Thank you for the little plug there right at the beginning. (laughs) I've been looking forward to talking to somebody who knows how to transform some rotten ingredients and turn them into a beautiful uh, future. In fact, you and I were just talking about that very quote a second ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I about, gosh, it's now almost 13 years ago, I left my job as an investment banker to follow my passion for becoming a chef. Um, And in doing that, ended up living in San Francisco, where I had the chance to cook uh, in a Michelin-starred restaurant for former President Obama. I've had the opportunity- Okay, come on now. Yeah, you're- Cook for all different kinds of people. Um, Even did like first-class food for Delta Airlines. Um, And because of my passion, I was really able to push myself to this place where I excelled in the culinary field. I had a background in business, I had a background in food, and I combined them and was able to, um, in my my work in both San Francisco and New York, uh, was able to get to a, a global restaurant group. I was working there and had three different promotions in a span of about nine months. I moved that fast wow. because they, yeah. they recognized all all of the te- untapped potential that I'd had. And I was really, really proud, pushing at a really high rate. I, I know you've been in that kind of uh, seat too, Jeff, right? Where like you just, you're on fire, you're, you're doing what you love, and it feels amazing. They gave me this challenge that seemed impossible at the time, but I, I went all for it. And it was to open nine different restaurants in two different states on the same day. No way. Uh-uh. Yeah. yeah Nine yeah. restaurants, so, two states on one day? Mm-hmm. I don't know how that math works out. <laughs> you do a whole lot of delegation and, uh, and design and planning and team. And honestly, Jeff, I felt like, you know what? I thrive under stress. I, cr- I can do this. I, I, am, I perform at my peak under stress. And so I went for it. And as I was going through this different, this experience, I, you know, there were moments where I was stressed out, but I pushed through, I didn't give up. Uh, You know, I I did everything that I needed to get there. And finally I got to opening day. And on opening day, I woke up in a hotel room in Washington, DC and noticed a bald spot on the right side of my head, this smooth spot. And, you know, I, I felt this chill wash over me thinking about what was going on with my body but honestly Jeff I was so busy with the openings that I just brushed the hair aside and went back to working on those openings so that I could crush it because there were so many people who were counting on me there were so many things that needed to happen and so I just pushed that aside and kind of let it be for the moment and I had to work through those two different openings you know I was in the middle in the zone But when I finally got home and I looked in the mirror, I could finally take that brave face off. I didn't have to pretend anymore for everybody else that I was okay and that nothing was happening. I could really look and see where it was that I was now that I'd come home. And I started to notice that this was a pattern, that I'd gotten sick a whole lot of different times already and I had been ignoring my body. I started to realize, you know, that everyone was telling me, oh, yeah, this is just related to stress. You know, you're just going to like everyone at work was telling me like, uh, oh, yeah, you're just going to get the steroid shots to the head. They're going to give you that and then you're going to be fine. And I was like, 
is this the life that I want to live? Yeah. Is this is this who I want to be? Like, is this normal for people to just think that losing your hair and getting steroid shots in your head is a normal thing? Like, is this who I really want to be? And I and I started to think about that and. I remember finally getting to show my husband the bald spot because uh, I'd been away for two weeks opening these restaurants. Uh-huh. And when I did, when I showed him, he just hugged me. And he told me, you know what? It's time to follow our dream and move to Hawaii. And the thing is, he'd said that, and I thought about the dream that we had originally had. When we met in culinary school, we had this dream of opening restaurants all over the world uh-huh. together as a power chef couple. And now, because of the burnout and the stress that I'd been through, I was so sick that I literally couldn't stand in a kitchen anymore. Really? Yeah. So this dream that I created for myself in this next phase, I couldn't even do what I loved anymore. I had to, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to find some other business. Uh-huh. We're going to move to Hawaii. I want to heal my body. Everything that, that has held me back in the past, I want to let go of it. I don't want to be this person anymore. I was so sad and angry and frustrated by all the people who never supported me. Everybody who, you know, didn't do their job, who, who's, whose lack of whatever it was made it so that I had to put in all the more extra work to make sure that things happened. I was so angry and frustrated by all of that. And I was like, I'm going to leave all of this behind, move to Hawaii, start my business and have a new life, heal my body, like fix all of these different things. I don't want to be here anymore. And my husband, Brian, so supportive, like was all, all on board for our move for all of these different things. And, but as I was describing what I wanted to build instead, he asked me, Diana, but what's different this time? What's different this time compared to the times in the past when you were an investment banker, or when you were opening restaurants as a very successful chef? Yes. What's yeah. different this time? If you're going to change your job, if you're going to move again in looking for another level of happiness and looking for another level of success, what's actually different? Because you've gotten sick before, you know, it seems like you're just kind of changing the curtains. Uh You're just changing what things look like on the outside, but it doesn't seem like things are really different. And Jeff, I wanted to smack him. I wanted to smack him so hard that I'd smack him back to New Orleans because (laughs) I was just so angry. I mean, like, look, there were all these other people who were to blame for the stress and the burnout I was in. It was everybody else's fault. It was a stressful job. It was living in a stressful environment. It was... Everything that was outside of my control was the reason I was stressed. But when I looked at it, I started to see and realize that, you know, they, other people are in this similar situation, maybe not the same exact situation, but there are other people who are in this situation who aren't sick from head to toe like I am. You know, like when I looked at it, it wasn't, it wasn't just the balding. It wasn't just the fact that I had low back pain. Literally, like I said, I couldn't stand in the kitchen anymore because of the plantar fasciitis and the bone spurs Mm -hmm. that I developed. And that cost me my dream of opening restaurants with my husband and, and, you know, being this, being the chef that I really wanted to be following my passion. And that broke me. That broke me, Jeff. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, you know, it, it rocked our relationship because we had built it with this dream of doing something together. Yeah, and yeah. now I was doing something on my own. It, it, it really like, it was as if I lost everything that I had and I was stuck with a whole bunch of life's most rotten ingredients. And when I looked at it that way, I thought about growing up and, and watching my mom cook. Now my mom is a terrible cook, Jeff. She can't even like boil a hot dog. She she calls and asks how to do that. She's gotten better, but like that is the level of cooking yeah. experience that I was familiar with as a kid. By the way, but did you thing, grow up in the Philippines or did your parents come from the Philippines to the States? So they I they grew up in the Philippines and I grew up in the States. All right. Uh, yeah. I was nice. born here in, in New York. Um and yeah, so we so whenever she would cook, even if it wasn't good or whatever, what I noticed that she'd always done that kind of resonated with me was that whatever ingredients she had she would try to make something out of it and it didn't matter if maybe the greens were a little wilted or the meat was you know maybe like a day past its prime kind of thing she would try to find a way to turn that into something good 
And sometimes she was successful, sometimes she wasn't. All right. But, <laughs> you know, I, I still loved that when it came yeah. to my yeah. own creation in cooking. Like in, in restaurants, one of my favorite things to make was family meal. Uh -huh. Family uh -huh. meal is one of these meals where, um, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, in, in the military, like sometimes they have meals like this where it's like, you're making what you can out of the ingredients that you have that are available. Maybe they've been on a ship for a couple of days, you know, or like a little too long, but this is what you got. This is how you're gonna feed a bunch of people. And I love taking those rotten ingredients or those ingredients that are a little past their prime mm -hmm. and extracting the good, extracting the best out of those things so that I can turn them into something that didn't feel like sad leftovers but felt like something totally new and beautiful and inspiring and, you know, like to really like turn it into something next level. And I believed, all right, I have a lot of rotten ingredients uh -huh. in my life right now. I, I'm losing my hair. I'm sick from head to toe. I'm basically losing my job because I can't do it anymore. I'm losing a dream. I'm losing all of these different things. Everything is gone from me. I have nothing anymore. But that's that's never really the case, yeah, right, Jeff? We right. never have nothing. Yeah. It's so much about looking at what we have and figuring out what is it that we have and how can I extract the good. And as I was looking at my life, I was like, you know what? I have had one crisis after another, after another, after another. I I have had it. My whole life looks like a pile of manure. <laughs> it looks like a pile of manure. It. I mean, whether it was surviving 9-11 as, as a high school student, losing my job when I was working as an investment uh -huh. banker on Wall Street during the global financial crisis. You know, like every single time I've had one of these things, I've turned it around and made it something better. When 9-11 when when happened, I decided I'm not gonna let my life be decided by other people. I'm gonna start right. to live a different life. So I started already to transform my ingredients. When it was, when I, when I lost my job, I was like, all right, I'm gonna become a chef. I'm gonna follow my passion. Turn those rotten ingredients again. And I was like, all right, I, I'm at this point again where I can transform rotten ingredients, but I don't know how. I don't know how to do this. I've never done this before. I, I feel broken. I've, I don't know that it's possible. And so I had to reach out for help. I had to like ask for somebody else to kind of guide me and help me through this because it was clear that what I was doing on my own wasn't working anymore. Yeah. I'd gotten to a certain level to really reach that next level, to break through everything that had beaten me up until then. I, I basically needed a coach, right? I needed yeah. somebody to yeah. teach me. Um, so working with coaches really helped me start to see how my trauma and, and past patterns had been held, holding me back. And I started working with energy psychology and all of these different uh, tools that really helped me to maximize my time and energy. Because, I mean, part of part of why I was so successful as a chef um, and part of like one of the things I think is most important is doing things as efficiently as possible. Uh -huh. In yeah. life, we only have a certain amount of ingredients, all right? Time is an ingredient, energy is an ingredient, mm -hmm. you know, money is an ingredient. We have limited resources available to us. And I believe that on this earth, in the time that we have, we need to make the most of those. Part of the reason that that's so important with, for me is because on 9-11, I did not know if I was gonna make it home that day. Yeah. I didn't know how much time I had. And it, it made it for me really clear that I never know how much time I have. I never right. know what could actually happen to me. And that realization has informed my life with like, how can I, how can I really make the most of the time, the energy that I have available to me? And in doing that, um, I was looking at all these different ingredients, working with different coaches and saw energy psychology as a tool that I could use to really heal uh -huh. my mind body trauma system, like the, the things that were going on for me and also using manifestation. So I'm a super technical, like left-brained math nerd, you know, like really? math and science yeah. is like my thing. All of this woo-woo, frou-frou stuff was what I basically made fun of my brother for doing. But I found that like by working with and understanding how to use the law of attraction, understanding my energy and emotion as, an, as energy and motion, really understanding these things that I thought of as like froofy or like fake, helped me work smarter instead of constantly working harder. Yeah. And that was, that was just such a transformational experience for me to be able to see 
how much more was possible for me. And so within those six months, so from the time that I literally first started balding to the time that I moved to Hawaii was six months. It took me six months to leave that job, uh-huh. to, to start over so that I could start my own business and start that new life. Um, working with coaches, all that kind of stuff really helped me. And it got me to a place where now what I get to do is help other people through burnout, help them through crisis, help them find ways to overcome what it is that they're going through by working smarter, not harder. And I, I love the work that I get to yeah, do because yeah. like um, I'm, I'm actually naturally introverted and really, really shy. Like I had spent part of the blocks that I had faced, um, you know, like part of why I succeeded in a kitchen was because you're behind the scenes. Right. You're yeah. running things behind the scenes. You don't have to talk to anybody. Um, but I realized that in, in dis- developing what my next business was going to be, I was like, you know what? I have all of these rotten ingredients, all these crises. Uh-huh. But another ingredient that I have that's really unique even if I don't talk a lot, is that when I speak, it's as if it's a mic drop moment for people. People really hear me when I do choose to share my insight. And I was like, okay, but but I, I've been shy my whole life. Like literally my first time on stage, um, I was called to speak uh, in front of 300 people. I froze for a minute. Like literally on stage, yeah, during the headlights, yeah. like <laughs> one of those kind of moments. Uh-huh. And even though it was terrifying and did not go as I would have hoped in the moment, it honestly lit my soul on fire. And I was like, okay, here's another ingredient where maybe there's some hesitation, maybe there's some fear around going after this, but I have a clear voice. I have amazing stories and compelling insights that I can teach to people. I've developed systems. And so I took all of these ingredients that I, can't, that I had, and I was like, how can I turn these into something else? Because have you ever watched uh, Top Chef, Jeff? Uh, no. No? Okay. Not much so into a- those programs, but go for it. <laughs> Me neither. I, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan. I had watched a couple of the earlier seasons. One of the things that they often do on cooking shows is they throw these chefs into a challenge where they have to cook something with like less than stellar ingredients, uh-huh. right? So they, they have to cook out of a vending machine or out of with like canned goods or something and like turn it into something five star. And the thing is, what I love about this is that in this challenge, all of the chefs receive the same basic ingredients. Yeah. They have the same amount of time. They have the same food ingredients. They have the same constraints, but they all make something different. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how does that happen? It, it happens with their creativity, with their past experience, with the ingredients that they have, that they choose to bring to the table. And I think that, that we as individuals, we all have these unique ingredients that we bring into the challenges that we have that can really separate our results. And I believe that our mission in life is to find our rotten ingredients and to learn how to embrace the good that's in, inside them. Because you know there are, there are a whole lot of like stinky, salty, bitter ingredients that chefs use, but the way that we use them is to create contrast, uh-huh. to create yeah. highlights, to add depth and nuance and create this full flavored experience that wakes up the palate and makes you feel alive. And so the bitter moments of life, the salty, the sour, these are not bad things. These are beautiful moments that are here to help us turn what we have into something next level. Yeah. Is it okay if yeah. I give one more food sure, example? Sure, go for it. And then food? I need to go back and hear a little bit about a couple of those obstacles that you just mentioned, but go ahead. Okay, yes. So, all right, last framing. So do you like wine, cheese, coffee? Yeah, chocolate? a little bit, sure. Not, not, not so much wine and chocolate, but I'll do the cheese and coffee thing. Yeah, charcuterie, any of those kind of things? I have no idea what you just said. Oh, um, cured meats, charcuterie. Yeah. Cured meats, those kind of things. Okay. So all of those are rotten ingredients transformed. Those are all ingredients that went through the rotting process that somebody had at a moment, they had an abundance of this thing that may have looked like too much, right? Like, so it was, it was kind of like their manure situation. Uh They have too much of something that stinks. And what they do is they find a way to extract the good from that ingredient, to to amplify the, the creaminess of the cheese, to add a little bit of, um, of nuance and depth. And it's that funk 
that, that fermentation, that breakdown process that actually allows for those ingredients to become something even greater. So that is what I believe is possible with life's ingredients is to transform them. And, and that is my mission here on earth is to help people transform those ingredients yeah. with as little time and energy as possible so they can work smarter, not harder. That's a great mental image that I'm going to carry with me next time I'm eating cheese. I'm eating somebody else's manure that they just repurposed. That's a thank you for that. Uh, picture in my mind. <laughs> um, hey, this is no exaggeration. Just when what with what you described, you're a woman who has faced some pretty incredible obstacles, and you have been able just through sheer willpower to get over them. So you're 17 years old, and two blocks away from the World Trade Centers when those planes are crashing in. And you just mentioned to the listeners, not sure if you're even going to make it home alive. And then you're in a very successful industry in Wall Street, um, you know, investment banking, when the bottom drops out and really people all over the world lose their entire life savings in, the, in a matter of a few weeks. And you're stuck in the middle of that. And you're able to get over both of those obstacles. Um, is it because your mother kind of demonstrated for you how to take some stuff off of a shelf and figure out a way to make it uh, something palatable? I mean, how is it that you were able to get over some of those challenges that, that left others reeling for months or years? Hmm. If I'm honest, there are ways that I'm still not over it. Okay. And I share that because I think that the trauma that we go through in life, those difficult moments, same for you, Jeff. I know that you know this about those times of your life. They, they continue to inform our life in different ways. They, they help us make different decisions. And I think that what's really helped me is, um, is actually something else that my mom taught me. But in a way, almost taught me in a negative way. So I, I also grew up with a deadly peanut allergy. And that means that as a little girl, yeah. you know, one, two years old, I was having, I was in anaphylactic shock at times where my throat was closing up, where I was terrified for what, what could happen in my life. So I, I unfortunately, or fortunately, again, looking, depending on how you look at your life's ingredients, um, I have a whole lot of experience with not knowing how much time I have left. And in those moments, one of the things that my mom taught me when I was very, very little was to not let my emotions get the best of me. Because the natural emotion when you're, when you're losing your job, when you're not sure if you're going to make it home, when you, your throat is closing up, mm -hmm. is fear. It's terror. And what I learned to do was to block off those emotions and get to a place of calm so that I could make a better decision. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was something that my mom taught me early on that was really, really important in helping me navigate crisis. How can I, how can I bring a level of calm to this? And that, that was highly important and impactful for me. But as I evolved into the next levels, I talked a little bit about how I, how I teased my brother yeah. for, uh -huh. um, for being more emotional started to realize that emotion was a missing piece because what I was doing in the past, was suppressing the emotion. Right. I was ignoring what I went through. I wasn't, I wasn't wanting to identify as a 9-11 survivor. I was saying, I'm fine, whatever. It's not a big deal. There are people who survived worse. And I mentioned these because I think that these are ways that we often will diminish or downplay the trauma or the experiences uh -huh. that we've had. And that's important because by downplaying what we've been through, by not honoring, by not call, by not seeing ourselves as survivors, by not honoring our trauma, there are ways that that trauma continues to hold yeah. us and manifest in our lives over and over. So, by finally getting to a place as you know after the burnout, all that in the healing space, starting to heal those past experiences, starting to see the pattern even right because I mean if I was if I thought that emotions were bad, I never even saw the pattern of just dissociating uh -huh. from them. So it took a whole lot of work to kind of see and start to understand all these different things. Um, but I'd say that ultimately it's about controlling and managing your emotions, but it's not about controlling them in the sense yeah. of um, dissociation, but really um, 
managing your emotions so that you can experience them without them overtaking yeah. you. Yeah. I, I was about to ask you, let's camp for a few minutes on that word that you just used a moment ago, burnout, because you did face some pretty significant obstacles. You were able to successfully manage your way through them. But I really believe there are a lot of people listening right now that can learn from you when it comes to the way you handle burnout. Because you just described you are under so much stress that it, your hair is falling out, your health is falling apart, and you got to the point where you lost the love that you had for the passion and the thing that you really wanted to pursue. And I want you to help people. So give an idea of when did you first start to notice, I, uh, wait a second, what's, ex what's happening to me is not good and it's not normal and it can't continue. So when did you first start to identify this might be burnout? What were, I let me put it this way, what were the signs that caused you to say this is not good and can't continue? I would say that losing my hair and then the response that I got from people who had had the same experience in the industry I was in started to make me question, you know, is this really where I want to be? Is this yeah. what I, who I really want to, what I want to do? It seemed so normal. And I didn't, I didn't identify it as burnout at the time. But as I went to more doctors and they told me, oh, that's stress, that's stress. If you can just keep your stress under wraps that'll help but here's a shot to the head here's a coat that you can cover your your hives up with here's some um here's some orthopedic shoes that you can wear for the rest of your life so that you don't have the pain um i ignored all those signs so the reason i'm mentioning those is because our body is giving us signs yeah, of what's going on yep. and and i always say dis-ease in the mind manifests as disease in the body uh -huh. if we ignore so I heard all these people telling me, oh, yeah, it's a stress, it's a stress. And I started to look at the stress and was like, where, where is stress starting to show up in my life and how is it showing up? Because if, if this is leading to me experiencing these symptoms even worse, I, I wasn't even thinking about it from the perspective of burnout. I was thinking about it from the, this, the perspective of I'm sick. I'm in my early 30s and have as much disease as a 60-year-old woman. What's wrong? Like, what's going on? And yeah. what kept coming up was stress. Stress, stress, stress is a problem, right? And so I started to look at all the stressors in my life, and I blamed them, right? So it's the stressful job. It's the stressful location. It's the stressful team. It's all it's these lack jerks of support. That, I, that, I, that I work with, yeah. Yeah. And so if you find yourself blaming the situation, the, the things that are going on for you where you feel out of control, and it's all about stress... I think that that's a great indicator that, that there may be a tendency or some burnout to explore. Yeah, so I'd say that yeah. that's the first thing. Start to pay attention to the stress in your life. Where is it? And what I started to notice around particularly stressful events was that that was often when I would have these um, these like health breakdowns or like disease would pop up. So like I developed the plantar fasciitis and the bone spurs, like I think around the time that I got my first promotion at that company. Uh -huh. And then, you know, the hives were happening when I found out about the, this, the, you know, what I was, what I was going to be doing next. And I'd break out in hives, but I could co cover it up in a chef's coat. You know, um, there was a time, you know, right around a, a cousin's wedding where like I had such bad back pain, I literally couldn't get out of bed kind of thing. So like it, it was always around stressful events. So that's another clue for us. Uh -huh. Let's look at the stressful events that are going on in life. But one of the other things that I think that helped me identify it as burnout, one of the common things that I find with many of the clients that I serve with who are burned out is that oftentimes they feel like they feel like they have no time, they have no energy because they're handling everything for everybody else. So they're often the go-to person. They're often the person that everybody relies on. They're that person that you know can, can handle it if, if something needs to happen. Yeah. Those people are often the ones, the ones who always say like, I got it, I can handle it, I can do that. They're, they're more prone to burnout. And especially if what they're doing is following their passion. If what they do, if their work gives them some form of satisfaction, it's as if that you stress experience of like, you know, thriving in, in the stressful moment, they hold on to that, not realizing that you stress, which is a positive form yeah, of stress. Good stress, distress, right. You stress. Um, and use stress helps actually kick us into overdrive so that we can we can be performing at our peak, but that doesn't last. But as um, 
as high achievers, as high performers, as people who are in a stressful situation for way too long, what can happen is that you stress be- deteriorates and actually becomes distress yeah, for yeah. us. Um, and and the trouble with this experience of stress overall is that um, when we're in this in a high stress state, our body moves into survival mode, and that means that a lot of the long-term bodily function that's required for our long-term health gets shut down because we got to focus on right now, right here, right now. Just like, you know, when um, when I was balding and I was like, nope, can't focus on that. Yeah, I got to focus on the right here, right now. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's kind of what our body does as well. And that means some of the systems that get shut down when we're in stress are our hair, our nails, our skin, our digestive system, our immune system. And what that means for us in burnout as it gets into the more extreme phases, is that those are often the places where we're noticing dis-ease. So we're noticing maybe some hair loss. Maybe we're noticing um, autoimmune diseases are popping up. Maybe we're noticing um, other things that are related to stress just kind of popping up with disease. So if if you're going to a lot of doctors, that can also be a sign maybe that you're burned out. Uh, another thing that I think is really common among people who are burned out is that they don't feel like they have any support and they don't feel like there's anyone yeah. that can support them. So if that's a feeling that you have, I'll tell you that part of the way that I got out of the burnout really was accepting help. Yeah. And let's go to that point in just a second. I really want you to hear from Diana right now. If you're that person guy or gal, who's been in a really stressful position for a long time, and you're now experiencing some of those symptoms that she just described, and you know, hey, this isn't normal for me, and it's actually not good for me, maybe you need to make the courageous step of just looking in the mirror. You don't even have to say it out loud to anybody, but just looking in the mirror and asking yourself the question, what am I doing to myself? Not what is the job doing, not what is the, the responsibilities doing, what am I doing to myself right now? Because maybe you're on the border of burnout. And what I'm hoping this episode will do is help you not cross over that border and fall off of the cliff on the other side. So just recognizing the signs alone can be very helpful. And Diana, yeah. you took... Um, some really traumatic experiences and you decided I'm not going to live like this anymore. By the way, thank you for coming to me from Honolulu, Hawaii, which is a very different um, pace of life than very successful um, restaurants, high, high, high end restaurants in San Francisco and other major cities. Um, so thanks for dialing in from uh, Hawaii. But why don't you talk about the decision to listen to your husband, Brian, and say, maybe it is time for us to do something different. Something's got to change. And maybe that something is me. So what do you do next after you realize that's it? I'm burning out and I can't continue. I think it's starting to look at the sources of burnout that are no longer serving you. So oftentimes those of us who, um, who, burnout and are in high stress situations, there's a, there's a degree to which we want to accept responsibility for the situation we're in. Because as long as it's everybody else's fault, nothing changes, right? Yeah. Nothing changes changes. if it's everybody else's fault. So we have to see where, where am I contributing? Where am I part of this situation? And we need to start to own that And if we really want a different experience, we need to embody the different experience we want. So we need to stop saying yes when we really mean no. We need to we need to ask for help, like all the things basically that are uncomfortable for us to break through are exactly what we need to do. We need to be asking for help. Hopefully from a high quality experience source that helps that, you know, can really walk us through and um, because we often have trust issues. So we need we need something kind of like that. asking for help, owning that we are part of the problem, and then actually taking steps to break through and do something different. Because as long as we keep doing the same thing, I could I could have just moved here to Hawaii, Jeff, and did it all and over not again, done right? anything, and I would have I would have burned out, gotten stressed again. So the last thing we want to do, if we're in a situation of burnout, the last thing we want to do is go through this again. So if you know that you don't want to be through this again, if you know you don't want to experience it again, You've got to do something different. You've got to, all the things that are uncomfortable for you, asking for help, right? Looking at yourself as part of the problem, 
listening to your body when you've spent how many years ignoring yourself right. and just saying, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, these are all things that I think we can do to really start to unpack what it is that we've been through and start to reclaim our time and energy. Um, but I'd say that like really working with an expert is one of the things that will take us the farthest and the fastest. Um, and that was really what helped me is getting coaching. And, and now, now, Jeff, if I can just toot my own horn for a second, I, I'm an international speaker. I'm the author of a book. I have multiple businesses that I run. I have a podcast. Like this whole life was not, didn't look possible in that moment yeah. when I was burned out and broken and had lost my whole dream, my health and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And let's, and, uh, let's talk about you helping other people. By the way, I got the book right here in front of me. For those of you who are driving, I'm holding up a copy of Manifest Your Dreams by Diana Gramion. And you, you help people. It's actually kind of like a journal, right? To help people go from where you're at to really where you can be and want to be. And maybe you're in this high stress, um, no stop, you know, world. So you're a woman who has the ability to speak to this from personal experience, actually, uh, you know, working, uh, preparing meals for presidents and deciding uh, I'm not going to do this to myself anymore. I want to just point out, and then I, I want to give you a chance, Diana, to talk to some people who are facing this challenge. What you're describing sounds easy to say, but it's really, really hard to do. And it feels like we say this on the show all the time, that the biggest challenge is getting to the point where you look in the mirror and decide, hey, this can't continue. And then the very next step becomes reaching out and asking for help. And I really feel like the moment that you became unbeatable was the moment you decided, I need help. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to kill myself. I need some help. And for the person that's listening out there that feels like you're in this high stress, no stop, I can't get off of this merry-go-round of insanity, I hope you'll reach out to somebody and say, I can't keep doing this to myself anymore. Will you help me get healthy so that I can have, so that I can start to save her life. So tell everybody about the book, Manifest Your Dreams, why you wrote it and what you hope to accomplish with it. Yeah. Uh, so one of, one, as strange as it sounds, one of the things that really set me apart and allowed for me to move quickly through the chef uh, industry was that I'm really process and um, operations driven. So I always look at things like, how can I do things again in the most efficient way with consistent results? And that, that skill in cooking and training actually translated as well into helping people through burnout to manifest their dreams. Because what I found was that there was a, a simple proven four-step system that I developed with my clients where I took them through this and they could see that with this process, 15 minutes a day, four steps, very simply, they could actually start to attract more opportunities that were in alignment with what they wanted. So when they were coming from a place of no hope, no time, uh -huh. they'd be spending 15 minutes a day writing down in their journal, you know, gratitude, visualization, doing some meditation and taking some action steps. And by, by just investing these 15 minutes in a day, they were able to start to build and transform their results, see opportunities that they had never seen before. And things would show up for them in an even faster and easier way. And, and Jeff, I helped a lot of people in the very beginning of the, right. of the pandemic. And then it got to this place where I started to burn out. I was helping too many people. You and were I, burning I out, it. helping oh. others to prevent burning out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I, I got to find a way again to work smarter, not harder. And how I can share this system with more and more people, have them experience a change with just 15 minutes a day is by creating a journal, uh, codifying my process and sharing it with the world. Uh -huh. And so that, that was how the journal came about. And the four steps in it, they're very simple. They're probably things that many of us are doing already, but it's kind of just like cooking. Yeah. You may be sauteing some greens or you may be blanching some asparagus, but I would bet that there's, a, there's some nuance, some strategy, and some science behind there that maybe you're not aware of, that if you knew how to do even better, your blanched asparagus would be top level, your greens would be like ethereal, everyone would be asking you about them. The, it's, it's about taking our technique yeah. 
and leveling it up. And this simple process is something that I help people to do that with. So I'm super passionate about yeah. the journal. I love that I've gotten a chance to do that for people with it. Well, for the very busy people that are listening to this podcast while you're doing four other things, I hope you just <laughs> heard her say 15 minutes a day. Really, that's what you're talking about. You have 15 minutes a day that you can give that will pay dividends helping you start to move towards your dream. Uh, you're helping people now, Diana, have a bet, have the life that they really want to live instead of the life that society or the business sector that they find themselves in is telling them that they're supposed to live. Actually, what you're doing is you're helping people save her life. I've got air quotes up when I'm saying this right now because save her life is kind of your thing. Describe the save her life LLC that you started there in Hawaii. Yeah, you know, I started to look at those bitter ingredients that I had in life um, and decided, you know what, I'm going to create that full flavored life. I'm going to add the sweetness and the richness because for whatever reason, God, the universe, spirit gave me a whole lot of bitter ingredients to work with. Um, and I believe that we have this opportunity to take those ingredients that we have in life and turn them around. And one of the things that's unique about every single one of us is we each have our own unique palette. Mm -hmm. We have our own unique things that make our palate sing, that, that wake us up, that bring us to life. And whether we're talking about food or we're talking about life, all of us have these passions, these, these likes, these dislikes. And sometimes we can be made to feel bad about it because it's not like everybody else's. But I think that the flavor that you feel called to that lights your heart on fire, there's something special about that. And so you living and savoring life is about you having that full flavored experience of life. All right. Well, for the people that are trying to multitask and doing four things right now, I hope that you'll just stop for a second and hear what you just heard from Diana. She's saying you can't stop life from throwing some bitter ingredients your way. And you're a woman who's faced some really bitter ingredients in life. So maybe the listener is experiencing some bitter ingredients in life. What a master chef can do is figure out a way to complement those bitter ingredients and turn it into something beautiful to manifest into your dreams. So what I want to do for just a second, we talked about this before the, the broadcast began Diana is this segment that I call a high five. And it's my way of reaching all the way to Hawaii and slapping a big virtual high five with you. And I want to talk about savoring uh, life a little bit because there's all kinds of quotes out there with people that we tell ourselves or we tell others about um, savoring life. And then we just blow off the good advice and don't do it anyway. So let's talk about um, savoring life for just a second. Um, let's talk about uh, some of those quotes. In fact, I got my top five quotes and how big of a deal those things are. Um, and if you don't mind, let's just bounce back and forth a little bit. Sound okay? I'm in. Yeah. So the number one quote that I think I've heard more than, all, uh, uh, more than ever is about sl savoring life is slow down and smell the roses. And I love the way that roses smell, but I don't ever get a chance to see rose bushes. So I have to not slow down. I have to speed up and go into the flower shops to smell the roses in life. But I know you've heard some of these quotes. So what's one of those savor life quotes or savor the moment quotes um, that you've heard or that you've used, Diana? Variety is the spice of life. Oh, you just took number two on my list. Yes, of course, variety is the spice of life. I thought that cinnamon was the spice of life, but apparently <laughs> the spice of life is in your uh, shell or in your cabinet there, and it's it says variety on the label. Describe what variety, as a cook and somebody who understands this better than most, describe what variety is the spice of life looks like in the kitchen when you're when you're dealing with some bitter ingredients. Again, it goes back to all of us having different ingredients in life and. Um, and we get to, we sometimes think of that difference as something that is bad or something that we want to conform or be like other people, fit into their model of success, their recipe for success. And I think that what we really need to understand is that the variety that we bring is actually the very best thing that we have. It's what makes us unique. 
If you think about different cuisines from different places, that's what they're doing. They're taking the ingredients that are immediately available to them and they're making do with what they have and they're allowing those ingredients to sing. So whatever variety you have in your life, allow it to sing through, allow, allow those flavors to pop. Yeah. Okay, so next on my list, and this is the one that I love to pe- uh, for people to remind me, is to slow down enough so that you can take your shoes off and feel the grass in between your toes. I'm thinking about that um, summer day where it's nice and co- warm outside, and y- instead of rushing through life, you can slow down and feel the, in your case, uh, take your flip-flops off, or in, our, in my case, take your shoes off and just Feel the grass in between your toes and feel what life feels like instead of rushing through it so much that you don't even get a chance to experience it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I I also love the quote. This is number four on my list of seizing the day. But after talking to you, I feel like it's not just seizing the day that we are challenged to do, but what we're really challenged to do is slow down enough to savor the moment instead of just trying to seize the day, right? Yeah, I think it's so much less about, um, like, I think there is an importance to seizing the day and understanding that this day only happens once. Today, this experience of this day, this will never happen again. So I think we do need to seize the day, but really understanding in that, that every single day is different. Uh And that, imagine if instead of, um, instead of, you know, so, so many people, especially when we're burned out and feeling hopeless and exhausted, it's like, same pile of manure, different yeah, day, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and how can we decide that today is completely different and right. open up to a different experience? And um, I think that, that that comes from our, our decision again to see something yeah. different. You just described number five on my list, and this is the last one for me. It's taste the rainbow. But I'm not talking about the Skittles commercial. I'm talking about just taste all of the differences in life because when you taste them and they're in the right order and in the proper you know, ingredients, it can turn out to be something beautiful, which is really what you're describing in this episode today. Diana, you, um, I really love the fact that you're now helping people learn from experiences that you've gone through. So you've got a podcast out there, the body positivity podcast. Would you describe a little bit of kind of the episodes that you've recorded so far? Yeah, um, so we love to talk to people from all different backgrounds about their experience in their bodies. Um, I think that so often we feel the need to conform to other people's expectations of our bodies and we expect a certain level of performance from our bodies. And when our bodies do not perform or do exactly what we want or look exactly like we want, we can judge ourselves. And I've found that in healing myself and the disease, the autoimmune disease, the pain and the chronic illness that I've been through, learning to love my body was a big part of that. Um, So I love helping other people discover how they can love their bodies more, how their bodies deserve representation Mm -hmm. and really understanding that this diverse experience of our bodies also is part of that, that rainbow, that variety, that spice of life. We're not all meant to, um, like if, if everybody was the equivalent basically of like mac and cheese, no Uh matter how much everybody loves mac and cheese, you get bored of it at some time. You'd want something different, you know, like it it would get to be a little flat. Doesn't matter how awesome it is on its own. Um, and I believe that that that's what we get to do in life is really bring our, our life's ingredients together, um, to add to the collective, to add to the noosphere, the, the awareness, um, and it, it really is about just bringing out the best in ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, if somebody's struggling with stress right now and the bad stress that you've just talked about, and they're in this place where I don't know what to do next, I'm not even sure who to turn to. What? Let's wrap up with this. What's one piece of advice that you would give that person who's going through that right now that they can do as soon as this episode ends and they can try to start making a change in the right direction? So the, fir- the very first thing when we're in that place is to take a deep breath. Because when we're in that survival fight or flight place, the, fir- the most important thing is that we can, we can center ourselves back in our body and not allow our emotion to overrun us. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I would love to offer 
if it's okay, um, I have a I have a meditation that I call stress relief in 90 seconds. Okay. It's okay. something you can literally do. It's on your own. You have all the tools right now where you are to do it. And when you do this, you can actually feel the stress start to move from your body in 90 seconds so that you can, and by regulating that stress response, you're able to make a better decision. Yeah. So don't try to do that while you're driving and stuck in uh, <laughs> rush hour traffic in Honolulu, which is insanely painful. Um, but 90 seconds can uh, take a deep breath and 90 seconds can start to turn things around for you if you'll just start to look at your circumstances a little bit different. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Whatever time you have, uh, really connecting to your breath is going to immediately help. And then I do have that energy psychology meditation that's stress relief in 90 seconds and yeah. can help somebody as well if they're looking for something a little bit more powerful. Um, it's a technique they can do on their own. Once they once they watch the video, they can do it anytime. And if people want to find out about that or if they want to learn more about you, where's the best place for them to learn more? Um, my website is the best place or to find me on social media. So I'm Diana.GREMillion on social media. Um, and my website is Diana.GREMillion.com. Yeah, and we'll put links to that in this episode. Thank you for coming to us from sunny uh, Honolulu and being part of this broadcast today. And I guess the best way to wrap this thing up with you is to just say aloha, because that means goodbye as well as hello, right? That's right. Aloha, Jeff. All right. Aloha, Diana. You just heard some great advice from Diane. When you're facing some real challenges, don't let fear overwhelm you. And I want to add to her great advice. Don't make bad decisions just because they're motivated out of fear. Man, this lady has figured out how to take some rotten ingredients and turn it into something successful. And I want to thank you for joining me for this episode. If you are finding us for the first time, why don't you follow us on social media? You can search for us by just going to at Unbeatable Podcast. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, why don't you tell everybody how awesome this podcast is by giving us a rating. And if you're watching us right now, you can see that I'm wearing the brand new Unbeatable Army t-shirt. If you want this shirt, if you want our free survival guide, all you got to do is go to unbeatablearmy.com and I'll give you more information about how to buy this t-shirt or get our free survival guide. Thanks for joining me on this episode. I'll see you right back here next time on Unbeatable.